when you start a business, you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. Failure is a part of success. So if you don't fail, that means you're doing nothing. How can you apply that to the next thing, which is what we do here, is we look at failure as nothing more than a step on the success ladder. But what you see in other cultures and other places is that stigma. You know, and anybody who says grass is greener on the other side, they need to go, look, it's probably AstroTurf. I promise myself that the day this thing turns into a job is the day when I'm going to quit and leave. This is fun. It has been fun for the past 23 years. My plan is to retire maybe a week or two after my funeral because I'm excited about doing this day in and day out. Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to Coffee with Romina podcast. I hope you guys are having a tremendous and a beautiful and a fabulous Tuesday. Super duper excited about today's episode because, yes, it's Tuesday, which means we have a brand new episode coming to you guys. And today's guest is very good friend of mine, John Farhad. And in this episode, we're actually going to talk more about venture exploration as well as what to look out for whenever you're investing in a business, what to look out for whenever you work as an investor consultant. We're going to talk about cybersecurity since John has been in the IT world for forever, and that is his background. But before I tell you guys more about John, I just want to give you a quick reminder that we have only 11 weeks left until the end of the year. Yes, 2021 has been crazy. Not as crazy as 2020, you guys, but 2021, I would say it's been crazy still, right? Every day something new is happening. But what I want to do is challenge everybody that is listening to this episode to do at least one new thing per week. It's only 11 new things, you guys. So you can either set yourself up for one new goal per week that can be a small goal, such as taking yourself out on a date, reading a new book, taking a LinkedIn course or something that you really want to develop yourself on, or just meditating and relaxing, whatever your goal wants to be. So try at least one new thing per week. So this way you would be able to close 2021 with a bang. Yes, hear me out. You would be able to close 2021 with a bang because if you've been very monotone throughout the whole year and if you just feel like, oh my God, the year is almost over. I'm going to let this goal for next year. or I'm going to set up some really amazing goals for next year and I'm just going to flow with 2021, the rest of 2021. No, let me tell you. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's, a, that's not the right way to go about it, you guys. And I know and coming from a sisterly love, I think you guys should absolutely challenge yourself. So here's a challenge. Try at least one new thing per week or try to accomplish one new goal per week. It's only 11, you guys. Out of the whole 52 weeks in a year, 11, I think you can absolutely do that. So that's my challenge for everybody. And since you guys are going to take up the challenge, I'm just going to assume the sale. <laughs> oh my goodness, talking sales terms here. I'm going to assume the sale and actually know that you guys are going to take up on the challenge. I actually want to give you a small challenge. This is a very easy one. I want you to hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast from, wherever you get your podcast juice from. But here's the cool thing. 
If you are listening from Apple Podcasts, I want you guys to give me five star review and a short comment. Tell us how amazing we are doing. And today, I want to give a shout out to Andy on his podcast review. Andy has actually been a friend of mine for a couple years, and we used to work together. And Andy wrote, thank you, Andy, for tuning into the podcast too, which makes me super duper happy. But Andy wrote, Romina is the best. I already like this one, right? Well, he says, one of the most authentic people I know and I have worked with. She is always striving to learn and better herself. Definition of entrepreneur. And as she used to say, BAP. So a quick story, BAP stands for a couple different things, but that was my nickname whenever, <laughs> whenever I used to work with Andy and it's still a nickname nowadays. So whenever somebody calls me BAP, I know exactly what workplace they're coming from and I know the connection that I have with them. So Andy, I just want to thank you for writing that comment because it brought back some nostalgias for me and I very much appreciate your comment. So thank you so, so much, Andy. And yes, definitely, definitely always a BAP, you guys. <laughs> Let me tell you also a little bit more about our guest today, John Farhat. As you heard on the intro, you guys, one thing that you can definitely understand from John is that he really loves what he's doing. He is a serial entrepreneur, CEO, he's an advisor, a board member, he's an investor. They do a lot, a lot of amazing things, honestly, under the Farhad family services. But here's the cool part that I loved about it, is because he has the family so involved in the business, they actually have quarterly family consulting. How amazing is that? So what I would also advise you guys to do is if you're running a business with family member, I would advise you to do quarterly meeting or just to even improve your family's lifestyle. I know it sounds very businessy and HR, but that is absolutely very, very helpful today. I don't want to lose a lot more time, you guys, from this episode. I already gave you a challenge for the 11 weeks left of 2021. I already told you guys to go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast from and give us a five-star review. And I want you to definitely enjoy the interview with John. John, thank you so, so much for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. And I don't have anything else to say, but uh, enjoy. Hey, John, how are you today? Uh, hi, Romina. I'm excited to be with you today. It's a great day. I feel like being here warm and fuzzy and uh, ready to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. I want to pass on the mic to you. I want you to tell the audience, how did you go about having the career that you have? If you can give us a little bit of recap of how did you end up where you are? You know, for me, the, I, I took a very windy path uh, to get to where I am. I started out uh, right out of high school. I am originally from Jerusalem, and I uh, grew up there until I was 18. Uh, when I turned 18, I uh, decided to go to college in France, and I lived there for two and a half years until I realized that there is potentially more opportunity and more things to do if I came to the States. And so I left you know, my full scholarship in France and uh, to the chagrin of my parents at the time and uh, came to Ohio. I fell in love with Ohio ever since I got here. And uh, I have been here ever since. So I went to the university. I got my, I did my graduate work in Ohio. I moved to Columbus. Uh, honestly, the first time I moved down here, it was uh, 
a question of, you know, who knows what this town is like? I've never even heard of it, of the city other than Ohio State football. And then you come here and it's such a welcoming town, such a welcoming place. And uh, I just uh, noticed uh, that on the list of cities that are ready for uh, remote working, Columbus ranks as number one. Just it's a ranking that came out a few days ago. So I started working here as a consultant. I used to write software for a consulting firm, did that for about five years, uh, helped uh, do some project management. And uh, one day, you know, my now ex-wife, but my, my then wife was working in food service and we were both tired from doing the same thing over and over. And she was working long hours. If you know anything about food service, it takes a very long time. And uh, we had just had our second child at the time. And so uh, one Tuesday morning in February, as a matter of fact, it was February 17th, I walked into my uh, manager's office and she walked into her manager's office. And that was 1997. And we both resigned and started our first company, the technology group at that time. You know, when you start a business, you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. You think that simply knowing how to do things or simply having skills or simply having the ability to do things is just gonna make things happen right away. And I wish was, that was uh, the case. <laughs> it's not the case at all. And it took us a while. Back then, I mean, it was, uh, it was okay because everybody needed some Y2K work to be done. I don't know if you remember that time, but right after that, you know, is when we started to focus really on what we wanted to do as a business. And it took us about three years to decide to become what we now call a cloud provider. Uh, I did that for oh, about 12 years. I left in 2015 and I felt like I had seen all the aspects of information technology and information systems. And what I could no longer do is provide a strategic value to my clients by simply running a cloud company. And so I started the Parhat Services Company because I couldn't think of anything more boring to call it. We started doing some uh, advisory work at a strategy level uh, of helping people understand what and why rather than actually doing the day-to-day -day activity. And then, uh, you know, my son actually came up to me uh, one day and we talked about uh, one of the software packages that we had developed in the cloud company we decided we're going to buy that and rebrand it and launch it as software that's available to small and medium companies. It's a phone system, but it's actually a software as a service that we deliver in the cloud. Along the way, I tried different side ventures to see if we had enough foresight to, to be successful at them. One of our side ventures was in 1999, as we were building up what we wanted to do. It was... Uh, an online content management tool for websites. Well, as it turns out, simply having the software is not having a product. And uh, we were about uh, 14 years uh, ahead of our time on that. And we couldn't sell a, a dime worth of- You said 1999? 99. Yeah, you know? that was not a thing back then. You were that, way ahead of your time. <laughs> that was not a thing back then. Yeah, so we, you know, we, we had another failed partnership, uh, and in that case, we were working on some interesting software. I think it would still have value today, but that partnership actually failed because of certain things. And I think uh, having those two failures in my background helped me realize that there are things that you do and things that you don't do and what you shouldn't be doing as 
somebody who's starting a business and how to look at it a little more in depth. A product is not a business. Uh, having software is not a business. There is a lot more that goes into it. And, you know, in many ways, being an entrepreneur and being on my own is fantastic. I mean, there's nothing more fulfilling than waking up in the morning and being ready and, and going to work. Uh, although I promise myself that the day this thing turns into a job, is the day when I'm going to quit and leave because this is fun. It has been fun for the past 23 years, 24 years, and I think it's going to be fun for the next, you know, however long I can do this. My plan is to retire maybe a week or two after my funeral so, because I'm excited about doing this day in and day out. And that's interesting that you say that because I've seen some very successful entrepreneurs and some very successful business people they literally work even after retirement age because they, they just love what they do and they cannot stop. So it's funny that you say I'll retire like a week after my funeral. It's what I love to do. I mean, for me, I get big adrenaline rush from the creation yeah. process. And whether it's creating a business, creating a product, creating a process for a client, creating thought creating it's it's the creation process that gets me going and uh, honestly it's that whole creativity that goes into that and being able to work with people who are much better uh, than I am at that creative process and you know better thinker than I am and and I think that you know by putting this together by being excited to hear their thoughts to hear their ideas every single day is an amazing thing and you can see it like you can hear it on your voice your passion for what you do and I wanted to actually focus a little bit because you, well, first off, I wanted to kind of break down the structure for the interview, you guys, for you listeners. We're going to talk about, of course, like John mentioned, he is into the IT world. So I do have questions about IT and security, especially with everybody working from home now and everybody being on their phones and their computers, you know, new softwares are out, new apps, everything. So I have questions about that, but I also wanted to pay uh, a bit more attention to a strategy that John uses whenever it comes to consulting. You follow this strategy that whenever it's a new startup, you consult as an investor. So can you explain that a little bit to us and why did this idea even came about? Yeah, so this actually came about when my son actually came and said, let's take this software and let's create a brand out of it. Let's brand it. Let's go out and sell it. And that kind of gets things, you know, moving. You, you look at it and you go, we consult with people, you know, we consult mm -hmm. with existing clients. Let's see if what we're telling them is in fact correct. And let's put our money where our mouth is. And so to me, uh, a part of the interesting thing about the software, the phone system company, is that it's a great way for us to test the strategies that we consult on. And then as that happened, I happened to run into uh, an old friend of mine who was starting a business and needed some help. And obviously, when you start a business, you don't have a lot of cash. I talked to them. And at the time, we decided that I would come in to help them get the company started, but that I would take a share of the company as compensation. You know, then I got the bug. Uh, when, when, when you start doing that, you get a little bit of a bug. Then you sit back and say, okay, this worked, this didn't work. How are we going to tweak it? How are we going to not tweak it? And then the next person comes and talks to you and the next person and next person. And then, you know, by the 10th person that comes and talks to you, you find another idea that 
all of a sudden tickles you. And uh, and that's what happened to me is I found uh, one of my other partners who came in and talked to me about this dating app idea. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm doing dating app, helping run the company, but I'm also uh, basically as an investor in the company. And it's uh, it's great to... Again, it it always it goes back to that thing that gets me started, that gets me going. It's the creation process. So I know you guys are just hearing this. Yes, he is working on a dating app and already pitched it as an idea that John should allow people, members that use it, to do a little trial video to show what is like dating them or what is like their life like instead of writing paragraphs. So, John, I really hope you, you take advantage of this awesome idea. I will not ask to be an investor on the company because of the idea, but I'd love to see that alive because I feel like that would be something a lot more visual than a lot of other dating apps out there. I, I think you will be surprised when we release this in the next few months. And we're going to do some crowdfunding for this app coming up in hopefully in the April, May timeframe, uh, probably closer to April. You will see that we're not looking to be uh, a competitor for Tinder. We're not looking to be a competitor for, you know, Bumble or all those guys. What we're looking to be is completely new generation of dating app. It's something that, that you have not seen before. It's uh, nothing like any other dating app works. And uh, it's going to be, every time I describe it to somebody, and I'm not quite ready to do that yet, but every time I describe it to somebody, they call it the game changer. I would love to see that. Let me ask you this. You're playing Shark Tank on your own business, which that's amazing to me. It worked as an investor. Now, here's... My question, whenever you look at a business, let's say I bring you a business and I say, I have this amazing idea because whenever it's our idea, we think it's the best idea ever, but we need to, are indeed, we need to, you know, trial and error to see if it works. Is there a list of something that you go by in order for you to see it as I'm going to work with you as a consultant on this business and I'll see myself as an investor? What's the list that you go through to say yay or nay to that business? Because we cannot just take risks with every business. I think you got me. Uh, I don't have that list. They're written down, not quite yet. We're in the process of trying to formalize this a little better. But the number one item on that list is it's got to say something to me. That business has got to be able to be different, be a thing that is going to produce some completely different results. It's something that's unseen. And if, as you see with, you know, with LaQuanter, our voice business, it was it was one of those ideas where we are competing against some of the largest companies out there. And we're winning in that competition because we have defined our success points to be very different than what the success points of these companies have. And so now what we're looking at the dating app, this is going to be something very different and very revolutionary in that space. It's never been done before. And so as soon as I heard that, I mean, it literally took me about 45 minutes to go, uh, wait, yes, I want to do this. And then all of a sudden you realize that I have just committed a huge amount of time and a huge amount of resources to this thing. And God knows if it's going to work or not. But you 
uh, go through the process, you go through the, the testing, you go through some market testing. And I'm lucky enough to uh, have been able to assemble a team of uh, six people that work with me on that app, including marketing people. And they are actually test marketing the messaging, they're test marketing the app, they're test marketing the ideas, they're test marketing uh, the graphics, the colors, the logos, and all the things that uh, you don't think about when you're starting a business. Uh, most people think that if I can write an app, then I should be able to put it on the app store and sell it. And I'm going to be very successful because people are going to find it and use it. When in reality, an app is just the smallest part of having a product to sell. It's a lot more that goes in the back end of it. That's true. What What are the biggest red flags that you've seen on a startup business that you're like, I'm not working with this one because... This like one, two, or three are are the worst red flags for a business investor. The person who's doing the startup, if they have exactly what they want to do, and they are not open to hearing you out, they're not open to uh, listening to suggestions. Uh, they are driven by ego. They are driven by a false sense of no of knowledge. Then I try to avoid. I avoid. Startups that don't have anything to do with technology. I'm one of those people that if technology goes away, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do, you know. And so everything has to have a technology component for me to be involved. But the founder is real critical for me. If the founder knows everything, then why are you asking for my help? You know everything. And if the founder is, and you, and you test that, then if the founder is completely unwilling to take any advice and, and listen, then you, you got to step back and say, yeah, this is probably not for me. So what I'm getting from it is has to be IT related. The founder has to be coachable and open mentality and have a student mentality and willingness to learn more. So ego has, again, ego has no room in business. I've said this multiple times on the podcast, you guys, ego is going to ruin deals, ruin relationships and ruin business. That's just how it is. Because like John is saying, that's an ego thing. If somebody's like, I know everything and this is the plan, but also invest in my business because I need help. It just doesn't align. No, it doesn't. And uh, I mean, I think a little bit of an ego is necessary. I, I think that any leader in any kind of in any kind of startup has to have a little bit of an ego because you have to have that belief that, yes, I can do this thing. Is that confidence uh, though or is that, that ego? Probably it's a little bit of both. You have to have that confidence. I'm not saying, you know, be an egomaniac, but yeah. you have to have a little bit of that self, I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to believe that I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to believe that I can get my team to lead. So I think passion, confidence, good vision, and a little bit of ego make a good leader for something like that. So let's also talk a little bit about IT wise because uh, March of 2020, um, that's when the, you know, the whole pandemic went viral. As much as we're talking about pandemic, you know, a year later, almost, we are tired of hearing about it. We're tired of dealing with it. But I think we absolutely have to pay some close attention to the IT perspective because a lot of people are working from home and those big corporates or small businesses are not necessarily sometimes paying attention to what kind of internet or what kind of connection their employees are working through. So I wanted to talk about IT security for a moment. From a personal usage perspective, what are some things that we should definitely pay attention whenever we are connected to the internet? Make sure even our personal data is not stolen or we don't have like a data bridge for the business. 
What you just asked me is a very difficult question to answer because the problem is that the hacker or the people that are trying to get your data or you know uh, ransom it for money or anything like that, those people are half a step ahead of us. It doesn't matter, you know, on the best day, they're half a step ahead of us because, you know, it's kind of like uh, police and the, and the criminals. The criminals are always half a step ahead and then the police have got to go and catch them. And it's the same way with IT. So with that in mind, you have to ensure that you're doing things as securely as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, some of the simplest thing you do is if you connect to uh, your bank or if you connect to via a web portal, make sure that it is a secure portal, that it has that S after the HTTP, that it has the lock on the browser. Also make sure that you use one or maybe two antivirus scanners on your on your machine. Don't buy one from uh, the same company. Buy one from a completely different company. Hopefully, if one misses it, the other one, you know, may catch it. Never use a public Wi-Fi to do, you know, to do your work, unless you know that it, you know what that Wi-Fi is. I stop every once in a while at a Panera. I connect to that one Panera Wi-Fi, but from there, I have encrypted lines. And then I do all my work through these encrypted lines. So that's okay. But if at all possible, your hotspot on your phone is much more secure than an open Wi-Fi that you can find at a, at a cafe because you don't know where that open Wi-Fi is from or who manages that. But at least the hotspot on your phone, you know, it's your cell provider that has that. So I have a little more trust in it than I have in, in any open Wi-Fi, but still at the same time, you want to be very careful to encrypt your connections, to encrypt the calls, to use a VPN if at all possible, to use multiple uh, antivirus products on your on your PC, and, and, and you could do everything right, and still you could be hacked. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to actually ask this question because some people might not realize that how easy it is to be hacked or how easy it is to hack somebody. I have a friend of mine that was actually going through the senior year for IT degree, senior year, the professor assigned them to go to a Starbucks and see how many people's computer they can hack while they're sitting there. So when my friend did, again, this is all for a project, no information was stolen, you guys. What my friend did is created a fake Wi-Fi under his own phone hotspot to make it look like the Starbucks, created a landing page like the Starbucks one to give approval in order for people to use his internet from his phone. And he was able to get over 12 people in an hour. That's insane to me. I think we have, I think a lot of people have come to be a little too trusting of these of these Wi-Fi's. You know, I go somewhere, I connect, and I'm and I'm good. And I think that that's what guys like that exploit. If this was a real hacker, he would have gotten a lot of information about you know about these people. Yeah, because the project was based on how many people can you actually hack and what is the risk. So that's what the research had to be on. How high of a risk are is the regular individual that's just going to Starbucks to use the internet, which unfortunately it's very open out there. And that's why I wanted to bring this, 
because again, John is in the IT world and I wanted to get a little bit more also on exactly what you do with the phone lines uh, that you help the services. If you can explain a little bit more because you touched base on it a little bit earlier that you're competing with high businesses such as Google Voice, for example, but we didn't really get into the details. Can you explain a little bit more of what exactly do you provide? What type of services do you provide for the customers? Yeah, so uh, our service is is a secure phone line and a secure phone system. So basically what we have for many of our clients, because these calls go on the internet and they may have multiple locations that are accessing that data. And especially if you are in a medical environment where you have some legal requirements to keep data secret, then if uh, person A from the first office picks up the phone and talks to person B in the second office, and they mention a patient's name and date of birth, that is actually protected information. And so what we do is we encrypt the lines going into those two offices so that when the people are talking to each other, we encrypt them going back to our data center. And therefore, nobody can peek into these calls and they are following all the rules to allow for that encrypted personal information to flow through the system. Most people don't think of voice as one of the components that you have to protect in a protected environment, uh, but you actually do. And uh, we're talking about potentially having an app on a phone, but we're not going to do an app that is open, just like you find with Google Voice. Our app is, in fact, going to use two pieces to it, and we're in the process of testing that. The first piece is it's going to create an encryption line into our data center, and then it's going to have the calls that are also encrypted going on that line. So we're going to have that double encryption, which makes me feel a lot better, makes me go to sleep uh, much better at night. Our biggest also claim to success is our customer service. We are a completely differentiated customer service than you would get with any of the larger uh, clients. We don't have you on the line you know, for hours and hours and hours. Uh, if you have a billing question, if you have uh, any issue with the, with the service, we accept your uh, requests for uh, support via a quick call, an email, or even text messages. And a uh, funny thing, I have one of my uh, friends who's also a client uh, who decided to start sending me messenger, you know, Facebook messenger, text messages when he needed uh, any kind of support or change to his system. And so I guess we now use uh, Facebook messenger as one of our support tools that come into us. But a big objective for us is for the client to have no in-depth interaction with the system other than Tell us what you want, and it gets done for you in a professional way. We want that white glove treatment that uh, the clients can enjoy and not have any issues. And if there are any issues, we'll take care of them as quickly as possible. We're not going to wait weeks and months to take care of things. And that's really that, that service level and that security are the two big differentiators for us. So what I'm understanding from our conversation so far is not only you're looking to be innovative, bring new ideas, help startups with not locking capital, but start as investor, but you also uh, have the social responsibility in your innovation that you follow by. And I feel like your morals and ethics are aligned differently whenever you do have the social responsibility. And another example that I can bring to you guys, what, the, uh, what John does actually for the phone lines, the 
if you have to wait for a couple of seconds, they actually use local singers and local artists for their music to be as the melody and the tone. Uh, so this way they would be able to support small artists as well, which I found it super interesting. And props to you guys for thinking of that, because that's really helpful to, again, going back to the social responsibility in order to innovate and grow the business. So that's an amazing idea. We are part of the fabric. Nobody's alone. We are part of a big fabric. Each one of us doing, you know, the right thing to participate in that fabric, I think, makes us all better. Farhad family actually is not just on the IT and the business world, you guys. They, I feel like they're like a business one-stop shop, honestly, <laughs> because they also do offer PR and media services. They offer translation interpretation, which that's super important as a service. What's next for you guys? What else are you guys gonna gonna do? Now you're getting into the dating world. What what <laughs> what else is there for you guys? So I guess none of us knows what we want to do when we grow up. <laughs> uh, one of our one of our next projects that are, we're actually considering participating in is no, we're not considering. We're way far beyond considering. I think we are going to be doing work is a land based investment fund. <laughs> Don't ask. It's uh, it's completely different. So we have so we have IT, we have dating, we have phones, we have land investment, you know, agriculture. And one of these days we'll grow up and we'll figure out what we want to do. I mean, your financial investment portfolio, it's so diverse at this point, which is very strategic. And it's depending on the industry. One business can go up, you know, depending on the economy, one goes up, one goes down. So right there, it just tells you the diversification and the smartness and like the strategic behind your guys is you guys running a business. That's really smart. Well, we're trying to we're trying to be in in sectors where we can make a difference. As I said, you know, we're 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 trying to take very innovative ideas and turn them into something that is product and consumer or customer ready, depending on whether it's a corporate client or it's an end consumer. So I, I, I feel very strongly that you know, what we bring to the table is, is that ability to push things and, and make things uh, and make things happen. Do we always make it? No. Are we always, uh, you know, successful 100% in doing everything? No. But, you know, I mean, just to, 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 to your listeners, failure is a part of success. So if you don't fail, that means you're doing nothing, uh, in my mind, because unless you fail, the reality of it is you're never going to ever succeed because it, success is a product of learning from your mistakes or the mistakes of others. John, before we jump to the last questions, do you think you'd be doing everything that you are if you were not an immigrant in America? Ooh, that's a tough question. I don't know. I know I know great guys, great native-born guys who who do great things. But I think as an immigrant, you come to America with the understanding that this is the place where the grass is greenest. It's that opportunity with a fire hose. You know, sometimes it's very difficult to stop. It's like, okay, just give me this and give me this and give me this, and I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. So I, I think sometimes native-born. Americans and we try to not instill that in our kids. We try to instill in them and that 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 hunger that you have. You're born in uh, one of the greatest places in the world to be, and you have all the opportunities that are available to you. 
all you have to do is pick what you want to do or pick the 10 that you want to do or pick the two that you want to do and then go after them. And you may not be successful at first, but you will be successful. So I think that as an immigrant, we see that. And I, and I believe you probably see the same thing as, as an immigrant, you see that the opportunities that are available, you you don't dwell on, yeah, we have this little problem here and we have that little problem there. No, we have opportunities. We can work on uh, on getting a lot of things done. We can work on, I mean, look at Elon Musk. He's, he's an immigrant too. And we come at it with the idea that this is a great place that has a lot of opportunity and we're going to go about trying to use that opportunity as, as best as we can. And uh, interestingly enough, in my family, we have quarterly meeting with all my children where uh, we call it family council. And we try to make everybody understand what are the businesses that we're in, why we're doing what we're doing. Let's get some information back from them. And we try to get everybody involved in that process because I don't want them. They're all native born, obviously. And the last thing I want them to do is be complacent to the fact that we have this and it's just the way it is. It's like, no, it's not the way it is. You actually have to work hard and and, and do your part in in growing this world. I like it. So you tell you technically have a board meeting with a family regarding the family business and, you yeah. know, re-strategize. So that's a good idea. Sometimes those are fun meetings, you know, where you, you get to hear things you don't necessarily want to hear, but <laughs> they're, they're, they're good points because uh, you're also looking at the perspective of the next generation. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to be here forever. So you're looking at the perspective of, you know, what the next generation is, is thinking, what the, you know, what the next generation is wanting to do. And that's, to me, is a very important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of tag along with what you said, too, is it is true, though, because whenever we come here, we're like, oh, this opportunity, this opportunity is like a candy land, like go, 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 go. But something else that I also wanted to highlight is in Albania, at least where I come from, I grew up there 17 years of my life. Being an entrepreneur was not a trendy thing. Having your own business was a necessity for you and your family to actually live a better life or live the standard, like the normal life, because just the economy of the country was not at the best whenever I was growing up there. Uh, we're talking about 92 to 2009 until I, I moved to America, because I feel like sometimes in American culture now we're turning into this. Being an entrepreneur is the new best thing to do, but really people don't realize how many long hours and how much hard work and lonely hours also, I would say, and literally sleepless nights and a lot of coffee, you guys, too, uh, go behind it. So I think, and you're right, like, I don't, I don't feel like it, I like, I feel like we see all these opportunities that we don't have back home. That's why we just dive in and we look at things from the perspective because it's all about perception. Do we look at it from the perspective of all these opportunities? I have to go after it. When somebody that maybe was born and raised here, they're just like, oh, this is just the normal standard. They haven't seen another perception of it. So I feel like that's a big thing for us because we kind of seen worse. So now we're like, oh, this is gold land. Let's jump in. <laughs> Well, and I think, uh, and I think one of the key things about America that makes it different is the acceptability of failure as a rung on the ladder of success. Yeah. In, in many cultures, and including in European cultures, failure is a stigma. You know, starting a company or starting a business and failing causes you to have a multi-year stigma behind you. When the reality of it is that should not be a stigma. It should be 
hey, what have you learned? How can you apply that to the next thing? Which is what we do here is we look at failure as nothing more than a step on the success ladder. But what you see in other cultures and other places is that is that stigma. I think that makes a big difference in the ability Absolutely. of people here to, to succeed and do things. That's, I mean, what you just said right there, I haven't looked at things from that perspective, but that's gold because what happens is that also in close cultures, uh, if you do fail at something, that is always going to follow you, number one. And number two, if you fail at a business, I mean, mentally, it's going to mess up with you for a moment, but also we're going to the mental health and mental health awareness that a lot of countries are not as open as we would be here as we're trying to be. So that's where things kind of pile up even more. So that's a really great point that you brought up. I never thought of it, the the failure stigma as much as, you know, we've seen worse and we do more, but that is also another great point that you brought up. Yeah, I think without that, this would not be the great country that it is. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that this is the greatest place to live, the greatest place to raise kids, the greatest place to have opportunities, the greatest place. And I don't care what anybody else tells you. Oh, I'm right there with you. 11 and a half years later, I'm not leaving. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here here for a long run, guys. And, you know, and anybody who says uh, the grass is greener on the other side, they need to go look. It's probably AstroTurf. It's happening in Texas, which is a craziness on its own. And I've reached out to a couple of friends that live in Texas, and they're like, we're out of water for 30 hours, or we're out of this, the weather. And I told them, I said, this is insane, because you know what? There is like half of Albania lives like that in a normal standard life. And when I was telling them, I grew up with, you know, from 8 in the morning to 12, that was shut down the electricity. And so do from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. And it was just the standard. That was like, how could you leave like that? And that's, I was like, we do wood stove. So I started going at it. I'm like, that's how I grew up. So yes, it's, um, America is great. I love America. I cannot shut up about it. I love it. My wall is painted like an American flag for goodness sake. That's that's what I'm going to say right there. That's awesome. (laughs) John, I love our interview. I feel like we touched a lot of good topics from the business perspective, from the IT perspective, and also to kind of see two immigrants perspective in America, two entrepreneurs that always, you know, of course, you've been in the business for way longer than me and you're, you know, you have a lot more experience than I do. But uh, seeing that um, immigrant perspective in America and how do we, do we see the opportunities in this land compared to ours? But I did want to ask you three final questions. Besides the dating app, what's another project that you're working on that you'd like to share with us? I'm going to talk a little bit about the land investment fund, but uh, I think I would like to maybe do that the next time we talk. So let's uh, let's make a let's make a deal. Let bring me back at some point, and we'll have a conversation about that. You got a deal because I'm really intrigued in that. And also something that I wanted to highlight you guys, John, you can absolutely mention where can people connect with you. But I did definitely want to mention the power lunch that you do Thursdays at 1130 Eastern time, 1130 to 1230, which John does an amazing job. You guys, he gets professionals, uh, all his connections, pretty much it lunch together over, you know, over video chat and have one speaker every session to talk about different topics. I had the pleasure of being there a while back talking about sales and sales funnel with Greg talk about cryptocurrency. We had SJ talk about the education system. So it's very diverse topics too. 
Yeah, for, for a lot of us, uh, it's a way to get away from the day-to-day. And for me, at least, it's, it's a way to be with people who are way more intelligent than I am and, uh, and to listen to their thoughts and ideas. So I, I do this uh, a little bit as a, as a ruse because I want to get people's thoughts and ideas who are way more intelligent than I am. And I, I manage to get uh, you know interesting people who come in and, and, and talk to us. Today is Thursday. I'm not sure when this will air, but we had a topic where uh, somebody was talking about cryptocurrency as being the future. And somebody said, no, gold is the future, having that gold. And uh, so people started changing their names on the screens. And one of them said, gold is a useless rock. And then the other one had uh, Bitcoin is king. And uh, another one said, I only invest in ETFs. And so it's it's that fun little atmosphere that we have where we get to know people, get to see what they are, what they do, who they are, and uh, just have an open, honest conversation about just about any topic that happens to be of interest that morning. So besides Power Lunch, which I'll attach the LinkedIn connection for you guys to on the show notes. For my lazy listeners, it's only a tap away, you guys, to connect with John. What's also the main website that they can go directly to connect with you? I think the easiest way to connect with me is through LinkedIn. I'm happy to also give you my uh, my phone number. Uh, feel free to call. I'm on my phone quite a bit during the day, so don't be uh, discouraged if I don't answer the call and it goes to voicemail. That's likely 90% likely to happen. Feel free to call me at 614 614- Five eight two one zero six one. I'd love to talk. I'd love to connect. Absolutely. And my last question: What is your definition of success? That's a tough one. <laughs> That's why it's the last one. That's a tough one. I, I think. Warm me up through the interview for the last question. <laughs> <laughs> I think success for me is making sure that I leave my kids in a better way then my parents left me. Oh, that's deep. And then that they will leave their kids in a better way than I left them. That makes me think of my own family. Because whenever they say, they say, we feel like my parents, they say, we feel more calm now because you guys graduated and you are better. And now you're, you know, now we can enjoy our life a little bit. But that's big though, because... That's just shows how much of a family man you are, too. I mean, I love my kids, obviously. You know, every once in a while, one of them will come up and go, you know, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to be more successful than you are. And it's like, and that is supposed to make me unhappy. (laughs) Yeah, that's the objective, buddy. Oh, my goodness. I would love to see that. (laughs) That that means that I did a good job as a consultant for you. (laughs) I think there's, you know, there's always that uh, we're going to try to do it on our own. And I think uh, that individuality that we've managed to instill in the kids is, uh, is, is fantastic because they are able to go out and try and, and see what they can do. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about uh, everybody's business, you know, in our family council. And so the, the, the whole objective, as I said, is to keep, you know, to provide my kids with more than I have, that my parents provided me and with the hope that they will provide their kids with more than I provided. John, thank you so, so much for being a part of Coffee with Romina podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Romina. I would love to be back and uh, please join us for uh, our Thursday lunches. 
You guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation with John. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you do not miss next week's episode as we are going to talk about disc personality, how we would be able to use the disc personality assessment to leverage it on increasing our personal relationships in the work environment and our family environment, as well as how to increase our productivity overall. Until next week, I hope you guys have a fabulous and amazing week. This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.